everyone, this is Sila. Hi, this is Greg. And we're here after a long break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how long it's been. Do you miss doing it? <laughs> um, you know how much I love recording my voice. Yeah, there was an outcry. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I saw people with pitchforks and torches. And I said, Sila, we gotta, we gotta do something. I know, and, where are these yeah. two crazies? So what um, do you want to talk about in this episode? <laughs> well, um, I think at one point... Uh, last month we were chatting and you mentioned uh, Tolkien mm. and um, Mythopoeia, mm -hmm. which I hadn't heard about, um, but maybe you can talk a little bit about it. Okay, well, uh, should we talk about Tolkien first of all before we start talking about Mythopoeia? For so. anyone who doesn't know Tolkien. <laughs> <laughs> I, I doubt... If, well, if you're listening to this well, and you don't know Tolkien, just well, shut off the... <laughs> the there's <laughs> always that 1%, uh, uh, and... Uh, and it's Tolkien. Yeah, not, not Tolkien. Tolkien. Mm. Yeah, Tolkien. So... J-R-R. Uh, yeah, John Ronald Raul Tolkien. Rule? Tolkien. Rule. How do yeah. you say that? I mean, I say Raul. I don't know. <laughs> Raul sounds very non-British, though. <laughs> well, it's okay. Well, he wasn't born in Britain. Rule. He was born well, in... Well, whoever's listening can maybe correct me. Yeah, uh, sure. I mean, at this point, who doesn't know Tolkien? Like you said. We know how to say Tolkien. So, yeah. yeah. John Ronald Raul or Raul Tolkien? I think it's Raul. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I don't know about the <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, very interesting guy. Yeah, his parents passed away when he was a young kid. And then he was pretty much orphaned and grew up in an orphanage, if I remember. Uh, but he did grow up Catholic. And uh, he, that's where he got his education. You know. <laughs> 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 it's been so long. I, I don't <laughs> know. Each, I'm waiting for All you right, to you say know? something. All right. So how do we know uh, Tolkien? Or most people know Tolkien because of the, the movies Hobbit or and, the books, you think? Well, I mean, it, it started with The Hobbit and then The Lord of the Rings and The Lost Tales and The Silmarillion. Mm. Um, but, I mean, now in the last 20 years, it's more of the movies, I think. And it just... Uh, uh, just got the younger generation excited. I mean, that's yeah. how I started um, learning more about him, was mm -hmm. through the movies. I hadn't read the, any of his books, um, so I had heard of Tolkien. Um, I didn't know how to pronounce his name, probably back then. Um, well, but... The Hobbit was one of the books that they uh, you could <clears throat> read as a summer reading in school. You were never interested? Because that's, that's where I picked it up the first time. Uh, I don't know the if Hobbit. I, yeah, it, it was, was one of those for me, it was like Ursula things. Le Guin okay. and, um, oh, and highbrow. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Is it, <laughs> is it Tolkien? No, uh, it's, well, Tolkien is the grandfather of, uh, of highbrow. fantasy. <laughs> of highbrow. <laughs> no, I mean, for me, that the, the Hobbit was the first book and that's, that's what started it for me. And then I saw the, uh, there was an old cartoon, um, I can't remember, uh, it was it was the Hobbit. And you probably own it. Nineteen, yeah, I do own it. Uh, it was made in the seventies. Wait, wait, how many versions of the Hobbit do you God, have? God, I don't like, know. On what the film? cartoon? Mm -hmm. uh, okay, maybe a couple of versions. A of couple. It. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Every time the DVD came out with a new cover, I would buy it mm -hmm. like a maniac, as if it was different than the other one. And the books, probably. And the yeah, books, like the hard yeah. Covers and the sure, yeah. Too. So I mean, I started with the Hobbit, know <laughs> the Lord of the Rings, obviously, and I just fell in deeper, and then I found out the guy made a whole mythology, mm. uh, a legend. Um, I mean, well, it took I, him I, what fifteen years to write the Lord of the Rings. 
which which was really impressive. Uh, I, I I was actually impressed by, um, and the, you do some of this too, which is create your own language, and he um, because of his linguistics background, mm -hmm. he created his own languages in the books, which was just amazing, and um, he had a, a strong understanding of I think Germanic. Yeah, it, the the story. Well, the funny thing is, English. the story when he was writer, uh, when he was a kid, he actually was writing stories. And if I remember, he was writing a story about a dragon, and he called it uh, the Great Green Dragon. Green. No. Green Great Dragon. It was yeah. about a green great dragon. Yeah, he wrote a story about the Green Great Dragon, and then he showed it to his mom, and the mom had to correct him and say it would be the great green dragon and that's when he stepped back and he said wait a minute i can't write these stories until i really understand what i'm writing like and grammatically and, yeah. and that's mm -hmm. that's where his passion of linguistics started at seven so he stopped writing after seven until he figured out how to write grammatically mm -hmm. correctly yeah and he needed to learn the order yes. and the types of adjectives yeah. so <laughs> but that's, that's really interesting that his mom <laughs> Yeah. taught him that well, isn't that how he became interested in stories Old as well English. because she would yeah. read mm -hmm. Beowulf uh, Beowulf she yeah. would read I think if I do remember yeah and that's uh, that's when his real fascination started with the story of Beowulf it's it's amazing how his fascination of storytelling and writing started at seven yeah. And, and I think he started, what, reading I at four? I think people are meant to yeah. do yeah. what they do in life yeah. based on what they love when they're little. Yeah. So, um, and then, you know, going off to school, and he was also involved in World War One, which uh, was just a tragedy for him. So Tolkien was part of, um, like, a, a group of friends. They made up their own society. They I talked think about it was, what, literature? Yep, literature, writing, poetry, mm -hmm. poems, and I think it was called the Tea Club, uh, the Barovian Society. Mm -hmm. Yep, and uh, what, it was four of them together with Tolkien, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, Yeah, and I, um, I found out about it through the movie Mm, the Tolkien well, movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, which wasn't approved by the family. I, no, I, believe, I don't think but so. It was, um, yeah. it was still interesting yeah. um, finding out about this society that mm -hmm. he, that they formed, TCBS. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think every, uh, you know, and at least in my childhood, even, even up until now, I, I look back at those types of groups um, and I had something similar in high school um, mm. where it was about four of us and we'd get together and it was you know an artist uh, a writer me <laughs> um, just different uh, types of people coming together to uh, talk about some of our favorite things and whenever I read about something like this it's really interesting so mm -hmm. TCBS yeah he was part of that and did he lose yeah, so friends? yeah, during World War One, all four of them actually went off to war. Mm -hmm. uh, in in that time, everybody was, you know, you have to go into war, otherwise you're not. Um, it was you, a know, draft, they, you were looked right? down upon. Yeah, well, it wasn't a draft. No, it wasn't a draft. You were actually it, it. It was a prestige to go into war at the mm -hmm. time, and you were looked down upon if you were a, uh, a male. And they and also you didn't had no go. idea. And they had no idea what war was, was like. about. It exactly. Was just, uh, it was romanticized. Yes, very much so. And then once they got there, it was horrendous, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, with chemical warfare and. Uh, 
that's when tanks started coming in and uh yeah he, he pretty much lost all his friends um, a lot of them came back with yeah PTSD yeah, and, yeah yeah and uh and that's where Tolkien actually wrote uh, the Silmarillion, which is uh, the mythology or the history of Lord of the Rings, how the the planet was created and, and the ultimate god of that world and the gods and goddesses and mm-hmm. and all of that came about um, just him furiously writing in the trenches of war. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of the darkness um, in Lord of the Rings makes you think about like a real war mm-hmm. um a lot of the dark figures like mm-hmm. the ring wraiths yeah and, um you can think of yeah uh, some of them like sauron yeah i mean he's always said uh that lord of the rings and uh the characters in there don't um stand for anybody else like hitler or any of them he never saw them as those people you know lord of the rings it's its own thing but you can't help uh not connect you know uh, the stuff that happened in World War One, like uh, for example in the book uh, the the marshes where I don't know if you remember from yeah. the mo- yeah, yeah. Go- Gollum and uh, Frodo and Sam are yeah, walking through the the marshes. The mo- yep, yeah. dead dead faces in the water. Yeah, uh, he actually really I think memorable. wrote something about that in his journals uh, when he was in World War One, and he would see you know dead bodies under the water looking back at him. Yeah. Um, so, but uh, more than that, uh, I, I always loved Tolkien's uh, um, story with his wife Edith. Just if you read more about in in their bio, you see how much of an effect she also had on him when it came to writing his stories and uh, the powerful women in Lord of the Rings, for example, like Galadriel and. Uh, uh, Eowyn and Arwen. I almost feel like they're parts of uh, his um, wife. So a lot of what I learned about Edith and Tolkien um, has been because of you. You you've talked about. It's them a just lot. so fascinating to me. Uh, for example, in one of the stories of uh, Baron and Luthien, mm-hmm. uh, which is in the Silmarillion, and Luthien is an elven princess, and elves in Tolkien's um, stories live forever. They don't age, they don't die. The only way they die is of heartbreak or war. Mm-hmm. And uh, what happens is uh, if they want to pass on, they just get on their ships and go into the west, across the ocean, into their heaven. Their heaven yeah. yep. And uh, Baron uh, was a human. So uh, in the story, Baron is in the forest and he sees Luthien dancing in the woods. And he's so fascinated by her, falls in love with her, and uh, she with him. And because of their love, uh, Luthien gives up her immortality and uh, becomes mortal. And um, when Baron dies, so does she, which is really sad. And I think that story is based on um, Tolkien uh, when he was um, young, I think before he, he was married, and Edith would dance in the woods. And he would watch her dance in the woods. Yeah. And uh, hence his fascination with trees and the woods and this well, lovely that, woman. That story so. you had told me um, about that, um, her dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's funny. It's it's personal um, to me, um, but I won't go into it. But I did write a poem recently um, mentioning that scene hmm. uh, with Edith dancing and singing in a hemlock grove Mm -hmm. um so i guess he when he saw her 
um, doing that dance, um, it inspired uh, the story of Luthien. Mm, mm, Baron and Luthien. Yeah, yeah, and I love, um, you talked about um, their gravestones. Yeah, yeah. And I, uh, that's just so touching. Yeah. That on the gravestone he mm. wanted... Yeah, he his name was on the gravestone, and at the at the bottom it said Baron, and her name was on her gravestone, and at the bottom it said Luthien. Mm -hmm. So Baron and Luthien are buried together as Tolkien and Edith, and I always thought yeah, that was really, really romantic, romantic and, yeah. yeah, and amazing. So yeah, it's uh, I love that story. <laughs> I love that too. And now yeah. I'm kind of excited that I hear Amazon they're talking about doing um, the whole Silmarillion, the second age, which mm -hmm. is where Baron and Luthien's story is. So I'm hoping they'll do that and I get to see it, but obviously nothing compares to the book. Mm. Uh, but okay. that would be an interesting thing to watch. That would be. Yeah. You know, as so. you're talking, I looked up um, Edith and mm -hmm. Tolkien. Now, uh, this is one place that I'm checking and obviously I don't know um, that much about them. So apparently their love story goes back um, as far as 1908 mm. when Tolkien was um, 16 mm -hmm. and she was actually three years older than Tolkien. So this is what it says in this one place. Um, she had finished her musical studies and boarding school um, and Tolkien and his brother were both studying in Birmingham um, and became boarders, um, and Tolkien and Edith became close friends, mm -hmm. and then soon their friendship became love. So that's that's really interesting. I, th I, I think he was he supposed was to come of age. Yeah, I mm. think once he turned 21, if okay. uh, yeah, that's what it was, because, uh, yeah. yeah. He fell in love with an older woman. Of course. Three, <laughs> a full three years older. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's the age, it's the, <laughs> it's the intelligence, right. uh, yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, like a, a man like uh, Tolkien, I think uh, yeah. anyone would have found. Um, Intellectually in stimulated. Stimulating, yes. Yeah, exactly, mm -hmm. yeah, so I think that's what it was, uh, yeah. it wasn't really an age thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, just a, just a beautiful story, mm -hmm. and uh and also, uh, let's let's move on from there early. Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, you know, like I was whole... saying, um, I didn't know much about yeah. his writing, but once I started reading about him, I just thought he was fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, the whole linguistics background. I I'm always fascinated by um, these uh, you know writers from I don't know a hundred years ago who had the English language kind of down to. Mm -hmm. To a science, they, they knew all of the ins and outs, um, you know, grammatically. They knew exactly what was right uh, and wrong. Um, as a, English as a second language for, for me, mm -hmm. I feel like I'm constantly learning. Um, and actually, it's not my second language, it's my fourth. So, yeah. um, learning English at the age of 11... Um, and then just becoming an English major, I feel like it's, you know, even all these years later, uh, I, I'm not at a level where, you know, I look at Tolkien's work and go, how can anyone reach this? Um, I read someone like Salman Rushdie, um, another amazing writer, um, just beautiful writers. Um, and I guess it makes you want to work harder, mm -hmm. um, become better. Um, 
and try to find your own way and yeah you have to find your own voice mm -hmm. and obviously our experiences is what make mm -hmm. us exactly unique exactly um but i just found him tolkien so interesting especially mm -hmm. after everything you told me uh, about him and then i started reading a bit about him and his um, background with edith and then him writing lord of the rings um watching the movies and <clears throat> we talked about him being in World War One, I, mm -hmm. um, I know it, it wasn't really about? an analogy for anything, no. uh, you know, like later on, like with Hitler or whatever, mm -hmm. but um, it makes you think about like good and evil, obviously, yeah. mm -hmm. and um, being in war and seeing all the darkness and death. So all of that is obviously included in his stories yeah. and... Um, strong characters yeah strong character actually um it's also working together it's not one yeah. it's not one person yeah. that exactly that gets rid of the ring yeah <laughs> at it's, the end it's, it's, everybody. it's everybody working together it's that and fellowship it's, yeah and it's different personalities if you think about it who destroys the ring it's yeah. not frodo or sam it's Gollum. Mm. the most unlikely of characters mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so and he's a very interesting character yeah too. yeah and uh if you think about it also you think frodo is the hero of that journey because he's carrying the ring but yeah. it's actually sam, sam if you really yeah, think about it, he's it the, exactly sam. he's the one that's constantly pushing him and carrying him and getting him uh to go there yeah and but, then it says yeah. a lot about corruption too mm -hmm. and how Saruman. the ring or i guess you can look at it as anything of value mm -hmm. um can corrupt someone and um such a simple thing a ring that you can just wear yeah and it, it holds all that i mean a circle is a very powerful symbol mm -hmm. you know it's just um it's ever going it's it's constantly turning and there's no end to it there's no edge or anything and that says a lot about that and then it's on your finger yeah. you know it's I uh, look at it as like this recycling yeah. process yeah. where we yeah. um, are born and mm -hmm. die and yeah. then new yeah. life comes into this world and, and then you think about Sauron as a lidless eye you know just one eye you know you have two eyes so one eye can deceive you one won't you have two ways of looking at things in a way but with Sauron being an eye only sees one way hmm. and that's it there's no other that's way so and it's lidless it's uh, what it's lidless there's no lid it lidless. doesn't close yeah? yeah so it's constantly open constantly aware mm -hmm. and constantly one-minded there's something really powerful about that symbolism you know and then um, you know you look at uh, Saruman the white wizard who's supposed to be the smartest the greatest and then his fall all mm -hmm. uh, because uh, and uh, you know but, he, but he you, gets... you talked about Saruman with me um, before and and you said he wasn't no, he wasn't evil so evil. much, but he felt like what happened is evil uh, was going fear. to win. Well, it, it's fear that, and the only yeah, way to survive to join would it. be to join. And yeah. actually, in the books, he also says, you know, he's he's there's five wizards, and you know, Saruman the White, uh, Gandalf the Grey, Radagast the Brown, and the two blue wizards that are not mentioned in the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, but Sar uh, Saruman, in his conversations uh, with Gandalf, has said, you know, yes, I am Saruman the White. But look at the glass. If you break it and shatter it and light goes through it, you see many colors. Mm. So I am not Saruman the white, but I'm Saruman of many colors. You know, I'm more than just this. And 
part of his thinking is fear, like you said, and that's how he gets corrupted. But mm. he was not evil to begin with. But but he sees it not as evil. He sees it that this is the only way of surviving. Mm. So it's it's all a matter of perspective. There's no yeah. other way of... No, he's yeah. given up in right. a way. Right. And he's fed into that fear. And that's what happens to him. Mm. But let's go back to The Hobbit, um, how he came up with it. There, there was no such word as a <coughs> hobbit. you know. And uh, one of the stories is, as he was in college um, uh, in Oxford, he was a professor there. And he was correcting some papers and just bored out of his mind because it's one correction test paper after another. Mm-hmm. And then he gets a piece of paper and it's an empty, empty blank piece of paper. I guess the student didn't write anything. And he looked at it and he was so fascinated by that blank piece of paper. And he said, you know, he saw so many possibilities in that blank piece of page. And he sat there and he wrote down in the hole in the ground, there was a hobbit. Mm-hmm. And then he sat there and he's, he's like, what is a hobbit? And then that's how he kind of came about writing that story. That's so Just out of sheer boredom and uh, fascination of uh, I can write anything on this blank piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And that's how it kind of started. Uh, and he put in a lot of his uh, uh, surrounding, his love of trees and the forest and eating and drinking <laughs> which is what smoking which is what <laughs> hobbits do they love th- that that calmness of life just mm. relaxing and enjoying life and taking it easy you know not like now with the hustle and the bustle just kind of sitting in back Boston. yeah exactly yeah. so yeah that's where that started and then the hobbit was a hit and uh, and then the publishing company wanted more and he didn't have anything and then he started thinking about the Silmarillion all these old stories and then that's where things started coming together and like mm-hmm. I said it took him another 15 years to write the Lord of the Rings which mm-hmm. ended up being three books yeah so and, yeah. we're not gonna talk about no. Tolkien that much longer because yeah. uh, there's so many so many shows out yeah. there that so, talk about it this and is just our it's just point of view. our yeah. experience mm-hmm. of you know why it, it's made a difference um, in our lives and you know with you and mythology and with me and writing fantasy it's, um, and, yeah yeah my uh, love of trees and and you mentioned mythopoeia to mythopoeia, me which i thought yeah. was just amazing what a fascinating um, poem <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to talk about it or do you want yeah, me to yeah i hadn't right heard of it okay. uh, before you mentioned it to me so yeah. you you said that so C.S. Uh, Lewis, right. the writer of uh, The Lion, the Witch, yeah, and the you, Wardrobe. You explain it. Yeah. You so so uh, Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, and a couple of other writers started their own society, another one. Uh, and what they would do is they would get together and read each other their uh, stories that they're working on, and they would critique each other. And C.S. Lewis and Tolkien were always close uh, together. Um, but they also had different points of view on things. Disagreements. Disagreements, yeah. Sometimes, uh, apparently, C.S. Lewis would be volatile because he Mm. was loud, and Tolkien was more reserved. But on one of these topics, uh, one of these... uh, uh, Conversations. Conversations or discourses, uh, uh, C.S. Lewis said to Tolkien, uh, myths are just... they, They mean nothing. There's no use in myths. They're useless. And uh, which point Tolkien was kind of taken back and rather than go back to him and explain to him why myths are important, he actually went home and wrote this 
long poem <laughs> yeah. about myths and how important it is and why we use them and he called it mythopoeia mm. and uh and if you haven't read it uh out there you should just pick it up and read it and you can dissect it it's it's beautifully written uh, in the uh, only way that Tolkien can write and he talks about trees and distant stars uh for example you know if, if you want to read a passage from it. Yeah, or... so you're saying if you haven't read it, but I have it right in yeah. front of me <laughs> and I can read it. Um, you know, I read it to myself uh, only once. You need to so... read it more than once, many times to understand I, it. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, so had you heard about it or did you read it? Uh, I heard about it at first and then I started uh, reading it and I still read it over and over and every time I read it I find something different about it and the funny thing is um, like the older I get uh, same thing with the Silmarillion uh, the older I get uh, the more I get from it and same thing with Mythopoeia mm -hmm. and, uh, and Mythopoeia means myth making myth making yep so basically he's saying uh, to C.S. Lewis, you might see trees and just see them as trees. You might see stars and just see them as just a ball of gas, you know. But when I see them, I see them more than trees, you know. I see them uh, as this wondrous thing of, uh, I mean, he, he, can, he explains it so much. I can never do justice, you know, just uh, you, you have to read it. And um, you understand why trees are called trees or why they have lures behind it or the stars. It, it feeds into the imagination. And, uh, and like I said in the past, you know, myths all have a grain of truth in them. And you need myths because, you know, they tell the, the stories of your culture or they teach you uh, a moral something. Um, and uh, it's just, like I said, it feeds into the imagination. And trust me, this world needs a lot of imagination right now. Mm -hmm. um, so, so once you told me about Mythopoeia, I thought, okay, let me look this up, um, find it, and read it. Um, so I found this book at the library um, called J.R.R. Tolkien, Tree and Leaf. Mm. Um, and it's with an intro by his son, Christopher Tolkien. Mm -hmm. And then in it, at the very end, is the poem that um, Tolkien wrote to um, C.S. Lewis, right? Mm -hmm. um, after they had this, not argument, but... Disagreement. Yeah, disagreement yeah. about why myths are important. Mm -hmm. So he wrote, To one who said that myths were lies and therefore worthless, even though breathed through silver. Hmm. And um, it starts Philomythus to Misomythus. Which, so Philomythus is him, which mm -hmm. is truth, which is uh, myth lover, myth lover in Miso Greek. Misomythus yeah. um, is C.S. Lewis, right? Yeah. Uh, myth hater. Myth hater. Wow. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. Well, he was. I mean, I'm he was. Sorry. How dare he? And this um, is the guy who wrote the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Right. You know, yeah. which is, I mean, based on, <laughs> you know, it has I a lot of Christian a lot of, overtones, right, but. Right, but Still, yeah. <laughs> who, who hates mythology? I'm sorry. C.S. Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it, the it's written in um, you know rhyme and rhythm, which yeah. is really interesting. So it's let a me just of pages. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I can. I uh, mean, who does that? 
Who does know, that? Who does After an, an argument, poem, actually after. goes home and writes a poem and that a actually poem makes that sense. That actually makes sense, yeah. and you go, "Wow!" <laughs> I mean, that must have shut C.S. Lewis up, right? I, I would I don't assume. Know. There, <laughs> he never came back. Afterwards, that, that I read about that explains what. Uh, C.S. Lewis did. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think after this, he, he went home and he actually wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just yeah. making it so up. I'm assuming. <laughs> uh, so the poem is composed in heroic couplets. <clears throat> and uh, let me start. If I can uh, <clears throat> not choke. All right. Breathe. So <laughs> it's... Uh, Four and a half pages. Well, I mean, just read that um, passage and then read the one well, where he counters. Well, let's see how far I can get without yeah. choking. How about that? All right. You look at trees and label them just so. For trees are trees, and growing is to grow. You walk the earth and tread with solemn pace. One of the many minor globes of space. A star's a star, some matter in a ball compelled to courses mathematical, amid the regimented cold inane, where destined atoms are each moment slain. At bidding of a will to which we bend and must, but only dimly apprehend, great processes march on as time unrolls from dark beginnings to uncertain goals and as on page overwritten without clue, with script and limning packed of various hue, an endless multitude of forms appear, some grim, some frail, some beautiful, some queer, each alien except as kin from one, remote origo, nat, man, stone, and sun. God may made the petrous rocks, the arboreal trees, tellurian earth, and stellar stars, and these homuncular men (laughs) who walk upon the ground with nerves that tingle touched by light and sound. The movements of the sea, the wind and bows, green grass, the large slow oddity of cows, thunder and lightning birds that wheel and cry slime crawling up from mud to live and die these each are duly registered and print the brains contortions with a separate dent yet trees are not trees until so named and seen Mm -hmm. and never were so named till those had been whose speeches involuted breath unfurled faint echo and dim picture of the world but neither a record nor a photograph being divination judgment and a laugh response of those that felt a stir within by deep monition movements that were kin to life and death of trees of beasts of stars free captives undermining shadowy bars, digging the foreknown from experience, and panning the vein of spirit out of sense. Great powers they slowly brought out of themselves, and looking backward they beheld the elves that wrought on cunning forges in the mind, 
and light and dark on secret looms entwined. He sees no stars who does not see them first, of living silver made that sudden burst to flame like flowers beneath an ancient song, whose very echo after music long has since pursued. There is no firmament, only a void, unless a jeweled tent, myth-woven and elf-patterned, and no earth, unless the mother's womb whence all have birth. The heart of man is not compound of lies, but draws some wisdom from the only wise, and still recalls him. Though now long estranged, man is not wholly lost, nor wholly changed. Disgraced he may be, yet is not dethroned, and keeps the rags of lordship, one he owned. His world dominion by creative act, not his to worship the great artifact, man, sub-creator, the refracted light, through whom is splintered from a single white to many hues and endlessly combined in living shapes that move from mind to mind. Though all the crannies of the world were we filled with elves and goblins, though we dared to build gods and their houses out of dark and light, and sow the seed of dragons, was our right, used or misused. The right has not decayed. We make still by the law in which we're made. Yes, wish fulfillment dreams we spin to cheat. Our timid hearts and ugly fact defeat. Whence came the wish and whence the power to dream, or some things fair and others ugly deem. All wishes are not idle, nor in vain. Fulfillment we devise, for pain is pain, not for itself to be desired, but ill, or else to strive or to subdue the will, alike were graceless. And of evil this alone is dreadly certain, evil is. Blessed are the timid hearts that evil hate, that quail in its shadow and yet shut the gate, that seek no parley and in guarded room, though small and bare upon a clumsy loom, weave tissues gilded by the far-off day, hoped and believed and under shadows sway. Blessed are the men of Noah's race that build their little arks, though frail and poorly filled, and steer through winds contrary towards a wraith, a rumor of a harbor guessed by faith. Blessed are the legend-makers with their rhyme of things not found within recorded time. It is not, the, it is not they that have forgot the night or bid us flee to organize delight in lotus isles of economic bliss forswearing souls to gain a Circe kiss, and counterfeit at that machine produced bogus seduction of the twice seduced. <laughs> Such isles they saw far, and ones more fair, and those that hear them yet may yet beware. They have seen death and ultimate defeat, 
and yet they would not in despair retreat. But oft to victory have turned the lyre, and kindled hearts with legendary fire, illuminating now and dark have been, with light of suns as yet by no man seen. I would that I might with the minstrels sing, and stir the unseen with a throbbing string. I would be with the mariners of the deep that cut their splendor planks on mountains steep, and voyage upon a vague and wandering quest. For some have passed beyond the fabled west. I would with the beleaguered fools be bold, but keep an inner fastness where their gold, impure and scanty, yet they loyally bring to mint an image blurred of distant king, or in fantastic banners weave the sheen, heraldic emblems of a lord unseen. I will not walk with your progressive apes, <laughs> erect and sapient. Before them gapes the dark abyss to which their progress tends. If by God's mercy progress ever ends, and does not ceaselessly revolve the same, unfruitful course with changing of a name. I will not treat your dusty path and flat, denoting this and that by this and that, your world immutable, wherein no part the little maker has with maker's art. I bow not yet before the iron crown, nor cast my own small golden scepter down. In paradise, perchance, the eye may stray from gazing upon everlasting day, to see the day illumined and renew from mirrored truth the likeness of the true. Then looking on the blessed land, twill see that all is as it is, and yet made free. Salvation changes not, nor yet destroys, garden nor gardener children nor their toys evil it will not see for evil lies not in god's picture but in crooked eyes mm -hmm. not in the source but in malicious choice and not in sound but in the tuneless voice in paradise they look no more awry and though they make anew they make no lie be sure they st they still will make not being dead and poets shall have flames upon their head, and harps whereon their faultless fingers fall. There each shall choose forever from the all. Wow. I love that last passage. Crooked eyes and oh, it's just tuneless voice. Tuneless voices. It's just oh, I can't believe you read the whole thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know some of the words I am. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, after I he wrote that, directly? how do you come back from that? And what do you say to that? Yeah, and, you know, obviously, if you read this well, mm -hmm. there's a rhyme, there's a rhythm. Yeah. And um, it's it's almost like mm -hmm. anyone who knows poetry, understands poetry, it's, it's like music. There's mm -hmm. a beat, there's a Maybe rhythm to it, it. Yeah. Um, there's a flow. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just the fact that he wrote this. Um, as uh, 
you know, kind of a counter to yeah. <laughs> to a conversation that he had with C.S. Lewis. I, yeah. I think it's it's just fascinating. And I, I love, like, some of the stuff that he says in there uh, harkens back to those books, like The Iron mm-hmm. Crown, which is from the Silmarillion, uh, <laughs> which is Sauron's boss, mm-hmm. Morgoth, the fallen angel type mm-hmm. of sort. He builds an iron crown and puts it on his head. He also talked about um, machines and all of that. Mm-hmm. He was... He was not against uh, progress. It's just the way it was done, the the industrial progress of uh, factories and the smoke and all of that. And um, he kind of talked about that, how uh, Saruman, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, he mentions how Saruman used to walk into the woods. Now he only has a mind of metal and wheels, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, he kind of mentioned a little bit of that in his poem, too. Uh, so it was never against the progress of man. It was just how man was doing it by mm-hmm. basically destroying I, nature I and trees. I love the part where and, he says, no. "I will not walk with your progressive apes." Mm-hmm. Exactly, <laughs> upright, and, erect, uh, erect. And yeah. Uh, that's yeah. <laughs> it's uh, because you know it's you almost know, like yeah. uh, science versus mm-hmm. uh, nature or myth. Yeah, I don't or know. Spirituality. But yeah, spirituality. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. something about mythology that's yeah. kind of yeah. like food for the soul. Because if you think about it, I think what he's trying to say is if you solely just focus on the science and the logistics or just mm-hmm. logic, there's no room for imagination there. Yeah. There's no room to go beyond uh, the physics of things. Because science is more uh, physical, materialistic, whereas, uh, myths and imagination, it, it just goes beyond there. Mm-hmm. It's boundless. And if you only look at <clears throat> rational things mm-hmm. and reality, yeah, there's no creativity. Exactly. And, you're putting uh, walls around you. We're, you're, we're yeah. just basically recording what's been done exactly. and redoing what, exactly. you know, others have done. And, and then you can't it, grow. You're just feeding into yourself yeah. and it just becomes stale. Whereas myths are just... Like I said, it's boundless. It, it just gives anywhere. people life. Exactly. Creativity. Yeah. Definitely yeah. hope. Yeah. 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 So I'm I'm glad I mentioned this, uh, Mythopoeia, and hopefully you'll go back and read it again and again yeah, and again. Yeah. Like I said, I only and, read yeah. it once and it was to myself. So this yeah. is the second time. Mm-hmm. Well, first time I'm reading it out loud um, and to someone else. Mm-hmm. But I just... Uh, and the more you know about the man and the, the stories behind his books, then you can get more of an understanding from this poem. Because like I yeah, said, um, it does... It's just, uh, I'm so impressed <laughs> by his knowledge, mm-hmm. um, the vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Um, he's tapping into like, um, you know, the, he's mentioned other myths too, yeah. like Circe. Yeah. Um, and Plus then he, he mentions was, uh, Noah. Um, uh, he, uh, and, yeah, and he's he was going known back to, to yeah. you know other stories. Mm-hmm. And one of the um, things he was fascinated about was uh, a lot of Norse mythology uh, mm-hmm. and the uh, Kalevala, which mm-hmm. is uh, uh, you know the whole Nordic uh, collection of stories. And that was something he didn't know about growing up. And then once he uh, found out about it, he wanted to actually speak it. Mm-hmm. And he, that's another thing he pursued and tried to understand the language and incorporate in his writings, uh, which is really fascinating. I, I love that he tries to make sense of someone else's, I guess, Reason. rigidness. The rigidness, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's, um, C.S. Lewis, I guess, is so set in his ways. Yeah, and, stubborn. <laughs> um, 
and Tolkien is looking at a at, at that conversation and in a in a creative way mm-hmm. and turning it in somewhat into a myth. <laughs> I don't think he's you know, saying he's he's also not saying that you're wrong. He's just trying to get him to see it in another point of view. Okay, you might think this is right. That's fine for you, but this is how I see it, and I hope you see that too. Mm-hmm. Hey, I just made a rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> It was very so, intentional. I, I like no, not at all. It, it came from the heart. <laughs> that's that's uh, Tolkien talking through me. <laughs> no, it's it's uh, very fascinating. You know, uh, just his writings and the legacy the guy left behind. All these stories, and like I said, you can go back and read it and reread it. And uh, the Silmarillion, I've read it many times, and I still don't completely understand it. Yeah. And. Um, well, I, I think just the fact that we're talking about, you know, someone like him. Yeah. After how many years that he's he's been yeah, gone. Yeah, he passed in 1973, I think. Yeah. yeah. But and, also, uh, we have to give credit to his son, Christopher Tolkien, because mm-hmm. he played a huge role. I mean, he picked up the mantle right after his father died. And all these writings from the Silmarillion to the Children of Hurin to the Lost Tales to even this book uh, that you're reading... He was the one that put all these things together. Uh, I mean, his father wrote, wrote, but it was Christopher Tolkien that actually put those uh, stories together in a comprehensive form. And he was also, he went into linguistics and studied, and I think he also became a professor like his father. Mm. So a lot, a lot, a lot of credit goes to Christopher Tolkien, his son, that followed in his dad's footsteps and compiled all those writings. Yeah, did he edit some of it? He edited, yeah, the Silmarillion, I think he edited. He also did the same thing with Children of Hurin, which is, it, uh, it's uh, before uh, Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings and all of that predates it. Okay. So, And then there's uh, a couple of books called The Lost Tales um, that he also put together. And, uh, and, yeah. and you... Um, I, I remember you telling me that uh, Tolkien had sold the movie rights yeah, to so, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, so they wanted to make a movie. And, How many uh, decades ago? He, decades and ago. He, he and said it, it was, he thought it was just unfilmable. Yeah, he said there's no way it could be done. So he sold the movie rights for nothing, basically. And then uh, when the, the Lord of the Rings in uh, the year 2000 was made by Peter Jackson and that company... New Line, which owned the rights, um, the Tolkien family didn't get a cent out of that. Mm. Uh, but any book that sold, yeah, they would get they, paid. They yeah. So there was a lot of uh, um, pushback from the family when the the movies were being made, mm-hmm. but uh, especially from Christopher Tolkien, yeah, he didn't you know, want the it, movies it, to be made. It's interesting but. because a lot of people who wouldn't have known about the stories found out about them through, through the movies, the movies. Yeah. So and it actually then helped. they probably yeah. went and bought yeah. the book so in yeah. some ways um, oh definitely it, it uh, yeah. helped um the family but i don't think the whole if, if i remember correctly i don't think uh everyone in the in that family was against the movie mm-hmm. uh some of them were for it um and actually uh the great grandson of tolkien ended up in the movie mm-hmm. as one of the gondorian guards he was in there so they, they were for it i think they understood like you said if you can't beat them yeah exactly <laughs> but um the hobbit same issue with that when the films were made that was also um not in the hands of the family mm. but the silmarillion and everything else is 
So I think and that's the one that the that's the one they're into, yeah doing the or? Amazon series yeah okay. and that's the whole so the, we, the family we haven't recorded um, an episode in over a month right yeah. it's been a long time because May was a really yeah crazy a lot month was going on yeah us. yeah um, definitely yeah and um, you know with Palindrome Press we actually. Um, have a brick and mortar location uh, now. You want to share that? Starting, <laughs> yeah, I mean not too much, but yeah. um, I think by the end of June, early July, we'll have an actual office space mm-hmm. in Bedford, Massachusetts. Yeah. Um, which will also be a space for mythology and beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, and the books that and, we're going to come and out the books with. That yeah. are uh, yeah that are going to be published. So. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll actually have a location, um, yeah. and you know we'll we'll share that eventually um, on our sites. Yeah, and um, uh, yeah, but, you can but come it's down, been just crazy yeah. trying to yeah. figure out where um, that's going to be located. Mm-hmm. Just finding a space. Uh, me personally, I've just been uh, so busy with work, and um, at the same time, I also wanted to learn how to ride a mm. motorcycle after many years of. <laughs> fantasizing yeah. um, about having like a, a moped or something i thought you were um, buying a harley no <laughs> way uh, that is just not my style no i don't want big bikes no um, <laughs> no i went to a motorcycle like a, a store Vespa. yeah well i i love vespas but i went to a, a store and i was looking at um like scooters and um I just, the guy there just started talking with me and he's like, oh, what are you looking for? Why do you want to ride? And I just, I went into my whole story of, I've always wanted to learn how to ride a motorcycle. My parents don't want me to. They still don't want me to. Um, my family, everybody, they're like, you're crazy. Uh, what are you thinking? Uh, but it's just been something that I've wanted to do um, for really long time and that's I would why say you over 20 it. years yeah, you should do it um and it was kind of like getting my master's too mm-hmm. it was something I wanted to do and I waited over 10 years after uh getting my college degree to finally get my master's um and so with the motorcycle you know I went in looking for a Vespa I moved on to like a Honda Metropolitan and none of the stores had these scooters um available and they're really popular i guess and also you don't need a um, massachusetts uh motorcycle license Mm. to ride them um so that's why they kind of they go so fast Uh, but the guy there at the store started showing me smaller motorcycles and i just fell in love with (laughs) a few of them and you know, I went home and I was like, you know what? I've never learned how to ride a motorcycle. I think it's about time. And I just went online and I signed up for a class and I just completed a two day training just this past weekend. Right. Yeah. Yep. And it was, yeah. And, um, and I, I had never been on a motorcycle before. So the first time I got on it, I'm like, clutch what's a clutch (laughs) i've never ridden a manual um car i've only uh, had experience with automatic cars um so just being on a motorcycle and shifting that was brand new 
I'm like, where's the neutral? I don't get it. What What's the clutch for? Why can't I break before I use the clutch? And it, and it was just retraining my brain mm-hmm. to what was um, normal for me. And it was so interesting because you're learning something new. Um, and you're it's something that, that I've wanted yeah. to learn for so long. Um, the first day, there was one guy that fell and was pretty much kicked out of the class because he was deemed unsafe. Um, so it was 10 of us. It went down to nine. And then one by one, people kept falling off their motorcycles. Surprisingly, I was a very safe, <laughs> or not surprisingly, I was a safe driver. I never fell. Um, I did really well um, after I got a hang of it. And I thought I wouldn't um, pass just because it was so difficult. Um, and I didn't think it would be that hard. Mm. Um, but by the end of the second day, I, um, they tested me and I ended up getting, um, passing the road test. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I am licensed and yeah. I just need to pick out a ride. Uh-huh. Um, and it will allow me to also commute to work. So, um, it's about a four mile commute okay. every day and. Um, I can't wait. See, I'm a little a... nervous at the same time because Boston drivers are, yeah, are crazy. Yeah, I know. You and, have to be careful. And but... um, anyone who knows uh, anything about motorcycles, it's not... I mean, you might be the best uh, rider out there, but um, car drivers are distracted, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. being on uh, their cell phones and... Uh, having music on and not really looking out for motorcycles yeah. or bicycles at all. So it's it's not safe riding a motorcycle. I know mm. that. Um, I also don't have a cushion around me that um, if you fall, you, yeah. you're going to break... Uh, you're gonna break apart. <laughs> Basically, there's but no. Th- but none of this still stopped you from uh, pursuing what you wanted, which no, has been I... for. And this is a good lesson for everybody out there to. And I, and I'm, glad I'm you still shared trying it, to but, convince know. my mom that I, I'm making the right decision. Yeah, but it's I'm your gonna decision. be careful and all of this. But um, at the end of the day, you know, people get hurt doing things that you wouldn't think you would get yeah. hurt. Um, and so, you know, I'm, the best thing we can do is really learn and, uh, mm-hmm. be careful and, and experience, uh, experience. Yeah. And, um, just be aware of mm-hmm. your surroundings. And if it's something that you really want to do, just go out there and, and learn as much as you can about it. Um, it I, was kind of the same way with you yeah. and your art, mm-hmm. you know, you wanted to get your degree after if you want to take one thing away from this episode, I guess you can say is if you really want to do something, don't let fear or uh, other people's influence stop you from doing what you really want to do. I if think it's fear your bike does or, stop yeah, you exactly. for a while. But you have to and overcome then, that. You know, in the back yeah. of your mind, you're thinking that there's this thing that I have to do. Exactly. And I haven't Not been have able to. You want to do. Yeah. Yeah. But you it's there and it's mm-hmm. constantly reminding you yeah. okay you didn't do this you didn't try this because and that's no matter you. how yeah. much people mm-hmm. talk you against doing mm-hmm. something if it's something you really want to do um just plan it right mm-hmm. get the training you need be safe about it mm-hmm. um but if it's something you really want to do you 
you've been dreaming about doing, you're going to do it one way or another. Um, and, and the it best doesn't matter way, when yeah, you do and, it. And yeah. with family, it's just trying to convince them that, you know, you're, you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's what you love. Um, and you it, hope and they this understand. was just one yeah. thing on my list of many things that mm-hmm. I've been wanting to do. And yeah. I think somewhere on that long list was seeing Greece. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the first time that I traveled to Greece and saw it, mm-hmm. uh, went to Rhodes, Crete, Santorini, Athens. I just... Mm-hmm. Uh, it was my dream come true that all of the myths and history yeah, it's real. came to life yeah, you know, exactly. and I could see it it yeah. was all those things that I had seen in books that mm-hmm. I was seeing in person uh, live and it's um, I mean, you there, also there, uh, to, there's no way uh, of uh, describing yeah. that feeling of yeah, always having yeah. that love for mm-hmm. something and then finally seeing it yeah. um, and it was the same with this same mm-hmm. with my masters mm-hmm. same with writing brick and mortar um, store the, the store, Press. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and pretty soon it's going to be the books your poetry yeah. book and, and for our you book it was your yep. uh bachelor's um my you bachelor's know, you went and... to work right after high school yeah um you had your business mm-hmm. and um i did things backwards after high school start a business and then go to school <laughs> And went to school later. like ten years over yeah, ten years later. Yeah, yeah. But it was something that you always wanted oh, yes, to do. Yeah. And always, it's just, always. Yeah. Sometimes you need people to yes, guide you in the right exactly. direction. And if you don't have that, then it just takes you longer. Mm-hmm. But if it's something that you've always wanted mm-hmm. to do, you'll and, find a way to yeah. do it. And Mass Art was always the school I wanted to go to right after college yeah. and, and many years later I ended up doing it just because I didn't let go of that. So yeah, if you guys out there, you know, have something that you really want to do and obviously it's not hurting anybody or yourself, you should go out there and just do it and don't let time or anything stop you. You know, a lot of people say, Oh, I don't have the time to do this, I don't have the time to do that. I don't agree with that. You know, I could have said that. I don't have the time to go to school because I'm running a full-time business or whatever, you know. But I made time for it. Uh, Sila made time for her master's and everything else. And that, that should... You're just giving yourself reasons of not to do it. And instead of thinking well, not, you should just think, why not do it? You know, just instead of saying, why should I do it? You should say, why shouldn't I do it? Mm-hmm. You know, always flip it around. And, and also see where that look takes at your you. friends too. We've talked yeah, about this. It's, exactly. It's so important to have friends Very who, who understand your mm-hmm. love and passion. Mm-hmm. And um, will encourage you. And will encourage you, yeah. but also, you know, give you honest Opinion, advice as exactly. well yeah. um and you've had friends or so-called yeah, friends who <laughs> i mean uh, you know if in, in my experience if i've had friends that said why do this why do that i've learned to push away from them and go towards people who are more of a why not if i say something and they're like 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 you for example you know if i say i have this idea and you tell me why not then that why not just gives me so many possibilities Whereas if you said why, then it just mm-hmm. stops right there. Well, you There's started off of saying, you. well, you know, it, I lost my chance. It was, yeah. I should have done it when I was 18. Because or I, I, were, I, I was fed a lot of negativity. Yeah, yeah, or, you know, so. if you're working full time, oh, mm-hmm. you know, you can't leave your job and do school. Or no, I can't afford yeah. this. But it was like, well, you can do both. You mm-hmm. can do, you can work full time. You can go yes, to school full time. Yes, it's going to be hard, but it's doable. And that's what you did. Yeah. You did full time mm-hmm. work and full time school. Mm-hmm. And it was because, you know, we, we talked about there. it and yeah. it was like, okay, that 
that's a possibility. Mm -hmm. It was a crazy four years for you, mm -hmm. but you did it. Um, financially, if it. you yeah. want to do it, you'll find a way to pay for it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And, you know, with Massachusetts, there's some great yeah. uh, state colleges, yeah. like MassArt is one of them. And uh, if you live in Massachusetts, the tuition is, is much lower than... Mm -hmm. Um, if you're coming out of state, mm -hmm. um, and a lot of states are like that. And there's, there's always a way, basically. Yeah. yeah. And, if um, you really want to do it, you'll find a way, or you know, things paths open up for you if mm -hmm. you're persistent enough and uh, you're not letting fear guide you. And because of all of this, again, with me, with the art, you know, through that came mythology and beyond, which I love doing, even though I haven't done anything in the past six months uh, or five months or whatever the last episode was. Yeah. Um, but, 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 but we I, do know, get um, uh, some followers requests. who, who yeah. send us, you know, oh, you should work on this. You should, so you should write about that. And, I, um, I am working on something now. I am working yeah. on Norse mythology, which hopefully I'll, I'll finish in the next uh, month. Um, and that's going to be a great story as well as uh another story that somebody requested about um yeah, yeah. So, uh, something uh, from greek mythology yeah. i i personally would love to do something uh, i know you did best that but i would love to do something with um like the eye of ra and mm -hmm. horus and horus. isis and so, hathor um, hathor yeah and yeah. there's just so much in yeah. egyptian mythology that sure. i find really yeah interesting so i would love for you to work on something like that um, but you also have other stories yeah. that you want to work on. Yeah, the books and all of that. I, I love looking at um, some of our listeners uh, and where they're coming from. And uh, so because we're on Spotify and Apple, uh, Spotify has Anchor. Um, and you can look at where people are listening from. It even breaks it down. Like in the U.S., it breaks it down by uh, state. Mm-hmm and region mm -hmm. um so we know there's a lot of listeners from the u.s uh but there's listeners um from the uk france india canada really? Okay, russia really ukraine yeah. wow. um and just recently taiwan oh, um, wow. i saw okay. that uh, and All i right. thought this is amazing That's and cool. we would love to obviously reach um more listeners um, yeah and <laughs> The majority of our listeners are women, Greg. Um, they must be tuning in for you. Yeah, I doubt that. 76% <laughs> are female. Okay, that's great. Well, yeah. I mean, if there's any questions or suggestions, uh, you can email hey, us. Some of or... them might be here for me. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure they're all for you. But I, yeah, I'm sure it's, it's what you're yeah. very white. Uh, yeah, no, please. Yeah. Uh, so I think we should end this episode now. Yeah. <laughs> we went from Tolkien to... Mythology to I don't to know Barry White. My um, sultry voice. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Well, it's not for my voice. Yeah. Well. Um, anyway. All right. Um. So yeah, we we went all over the place. Yes, again. but it's okay. But that's, that's okay. Fine. We We're just having recorded a in a yeah. while, and uh, we just wanted to mention that yeah. it's been over a month because we've just yep. been so crazy busy yeah. and, and we we do have things coming out in the future so stay tuned there's a lot of yeah. things we're working on and we can't wait to share you know like i said from our books to mythology and beyond to other things and in also our, the in fact the that there's yeah. um an actual location now for palindrome yes. we will be able to at least um get some of these books out yeah um and published right. so now that summer is around the corner uh our biggest thing right now is trying to 
plan for where we're going to vacation, right? Sure. What are you thinking of, Greg? Where do you want to go? Into the woods. (laughs) (laughs) Into the woods among my friends uh, who are called trees. (laughs) No, I know. (laughs) No, I want to be among the bunnies and the rabbits. Bunnies and rabbits are the same thing. Yeah, that's true. Baby bunnies, aren't they? No, there's something special about just walking into the woods Mm. and look at all the. The, the trees. I love the woods. Yes, of course. Trees. You know, but connecting I also love with nature. Beaches. Sure. Yeah. Ocean. Sure. It's the sound of the waves. Have you really looked at trees? Of like, course. Like they all come in different shapes, and you look at mm-hmm. them. They're so stiff and very, like rigid. But underground, there's so many things happening. All the roots. With the roots and the mm-hmm. fighting and the and it's all like of that the there's Titanic so much iceberg, happening yeah under the yeah that's what's fascinating about trees there's so much so, underneath yes and i i love looking um at a tree standing under a tree of course and looking straight up mm-hmm. as the wind is just yeah. moving all the branches slowly and i, and I also, love the sound i love and also when you look at trees you're actually looking at half your lung half think, my lung think about it why you have your lung, and then you have the trees, which give you my lungs. Well, your air, you know, and <laughs> your lung. Your <laughs> Left side or right? Half your lung is outside, <laughs> hanging. <laughs> it's called a tree. So without the trees, folks, you wouldn't be able to breathe. Well, yeah. lungs do have a lot of those roots. Exactly. Like, yeah, like it's tree-like. Tree. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We're all trees in our own way. We're all going back to yeah. Tolkien. We're all ants in our own way. Mm. How's that? Only Tolkien people understand what ants are. Well, we do breathe because of the yeah. oxygen that, that's given from trees. So. That's why I said half our lungs are out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I meant. Slowly interpreting what you're... Exactly. Come on. I can't spell it out for you. You, you know, you, I, yeah. I have to talk in riddles and enigma, right? <laughs> <laughs> Going back to your favorite band. And myths. Exactly. That's what keeps it alive. I keep mean, myths alive. You love Enigma too. Let's. Yeah, I do. We well, okay, we're not going to go back to episode two. Because okay. that'll be a whole episode <laughs> yeah. again. All right. Um, yeah. So we're vacation time. I can't wait. Neither we can I. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Where are you going? <laughs> Where am I going? Where Wherever. Where am I going? You know what? Wherever the road. Uh, wherever the road leads me. The road. Yes. <laughs> uh, the, the road go. goes ever ever on. <laughs> yes. yep. Now over, you're talking in myths. Yep, under mountains and over mm. uh, hills. Okay. Yep. Mythology Beyond the white of, shore. Of GP yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I will go wherever Where the road. Where do you want to go? How wind. about that? Where do you want to go? Honestly, I would love to go to uh, the roads or Rodos or Crete. The roads? The, yeah, the roads. <laughs> <laughs> the the road. roads on roads? Uh, the roads on roads. No, I would love to go to roads. Rhodos, Greece. Rhodos and mm. and Crete uh, to see the labyrinth again, mm. uh, and imagine all of that again. Um, I would love to go to Germany. I would love to go to Finland. Uh, so uh, anywhere, anywhere that has history. Armenia. Armenia would be yep. Yeah, th- that's a special trip. Yeah. Uh, but. It's funny, I, I would really love to go to Armenia, but a lot of those other places also call me, you know, like mm. Finland and Scandinavia and just because right now I think I'm in, I'm in the mindset of uh, Norse mythology, Norse mythology and I've been reading a lot say. of that. So that's why I keep in the Kalevala and all of that. So I, yeah. I kind of, 
I'm thinking about that. But Germany, you know, seeing all the uh, architecture and mm. Gothic, and I, I love that stuff. Well, I personally would love to go to North Africa, okay. which is not something you're... I would go. It's not the top of your list, but I would love to see, like, Morocco. Yeah, Egypt. Egypt, of yeah, course. of course. Um, I would love to go back to Lebanon in day. Okay. Uh, Armenia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would be cool to see. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I guess uh, I, I anywhere, to be honest with you. Honestly. Or even, I, mean, I, would I would love, love to go into to my to, backyard. How's I would that? love to travel to China, yeah. Japan, sure. um, see the Far East, go to Australia. That would be amazing. See, New it's Zealand. all about experience. You've, you've always wanted to go to New Zealand. That's a long of the Lord plane of the ride. <laughs> <laughs> It's <laughs> a long yeah, plane. Like two days. Yeah, I, I, yeah, please. I need to move. I can't sit still mm. that long. Yeah, and that's, especially that's, right now if you're gonna be wearing a, yeah. a mask the whole time. And that's the problem with all these places that I want to go to. I would love to go. It's just these plane rides and uh, the actual process of boarding a plane and dealing with all of that is what uh, you know. Well, you I have hesitate. family who's um, getting married on the west coast. That's right. In L.A. And you've been looking for airfare and for the longest time, for like and four it's uh, yeah, it's, it's just insane really right now. Everything expensive, yeah. And part of me is like, you know, it's I, I wish uh, I could go, but the other part is this is just insane. You know, mm-hmm. the the craziness the that's going on. And six hours that you'd be sitting on a plane. Exactly. With so, a mask. which I mean, I can deal with uh, if uh, all the other stuff of uh, just just. The craziness that's going on mm-hmm. with uh, that that whole plane situation and the, All the people delays and the and delays yeah. and, yeah, and there, no there guarantees a, and yeah and there aren't as oh, many it's workers. Just, it's as, insane. As yeah. there were two years ago, so it's, it's yeah. not getting so. the service that, that yeah. you are paying for basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would love to travel. It's just, yeah. I feel like maybe this summer still, it, we were not we'll do ready. It. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, even if it's, like I said, even if it's walking in the woods, it's, mm-hmm. it's something, you know, just something different, uh, away from the concrete jungle and just in the actual jungle you want to go into. Uh, and part reconnect. of me feels like if I don't get on a plane to go somewhere, then it's not a vacation. <laughs> really? You, yeah, because like for the last two years, um... You know, driving to get to somewhere, to go to you a don't, hotel. Like, you, you can deal with the hassle of, like, those lines and the people and all that. Just and, the and, idea of a vacation right now. I know we, you know, I've, I've gone up to Vermont and New Hampshire and the Cape and Washington, D.C. And it's, it, vacation isn't just, like, driving somewhere. It's, it, I also feel like it's just completely getting away and not mm-hmm. doing the work, not just having to drive, the usual. not having to think. Yeah. It's getting on a plane, having someone else do the work, and you get to a destination and just you just relax. Mm. Um, whereas but the last really couple relax? of years, I haven't <laughs> been on a plane. I've been driving, yeah. and it doesn't feel as relaxing. Mm. Um, and I know for this summer, I want to go to Canada. I've never been to Ottawa. Um, I'm planning to see Ottawa, um, maybe Montreal, which I've been to many times and I love, Mont-Tremblant, which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would love to go up there again. It's been a few years that I um, haven't been to Canada. Uh, Washington, D.C., I go almost every summer. I really enjoy that. Mm. Um, there's so much to do there. Um, and 
the Cape. It's I know it's only a couple of hours from here, but uh, you know that's a little bit of a break. But again, it's I it's love driving. that traffic. Oh yeah, cape. I it's, know it's, you do. It's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, that it's introvert and life, life experience, <laughs> life changing experience. That's when all the myths and all of that become true. As Back you're sitting in traffic for two and a half hours, it's like sitting in the car for two and a half hours uh, makes you realize your mortality because you think, <laughs> okay, I just lost two and a half hours of my life, which I'll never Whereas get back. Whereas you could have and been sitting, sitting in the car at home and, and, drawing, and drawing and creating See, and writing. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like with the introvert, you don't want to go anywhere you feel because, like you're wasting time you know whenever what? because i, I have a lot to, you, to well, write down and whenever, draw and, whenever you have like five minutes of nothingness that doesn't you, exist you, you there go is crazy no, yeah and for me it's like but i'm my brain is no, 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 is no, no, no. is you know regenerating i i feel good when i have like maybe a couple of hours of doing absolutely nothing mm. and i feel like everybody needs that you need and you I go a little mental that. when you no, <laughs> when it's, it's nonstop. And I tell you this: you're nonstop <laughs> twenty four hours a day. Um, and if you have five minutes of doing nothing, you feel like you're wasting your five minutes, I and am. your whole day is ruined. Uh, because but life your is so brain short. <laughs> needs that time where you're doing absolutely nothing, so that it's creating. You're creating in your mind. There's no time to create. If you're doing other things, I can't be reading and then thinking of my next story. I can't be doing the dishes and, you know, I, maybe that's... if I'm out on a walk and not listening to music, but just out on a walk and thinking. It, that's a good thing. Well, yeah, but you're doing something when you're out on the walk. Or you're I could just be sitting something. on a bench when I'm out on a walk. I sit on a bench and just yeah. like look out at nothing. See how? And, and start, I, see, here's you know, the thing. Thinking. Your brain that's, needs that. It yeah, needs but to maybe for you it does. But that's how you're Everybody built. That's not how that. I'm built, though. Yeah, but that's with not me, good. See, with my thing is, I've is seen, I create. I've seen you. You, you, you go, <laughs> what, I, go yeah. I become a mental You give off like fumes. <laughs> that that's just that's just uh, me creating the yeah. fumes and everything. It's yeah. just I feel really passionate about it. I, I see the steam coming. And through off creation, through me through me creating comes more creation. Mm. It's it like feeds into itself. And in well, a way I get is, high doing it. This is it, the homework so. I give to you. Yeah. Do which nothing. Which is like yeah. every day <laughs> give yourself half an hour of doing nothing. Mm. Just sit Yeah, and that's called sleeping. It could be just re of thinking about what you did during the day or just yeah. giving your brain that time to just relax. Yeah. And it can't be doing something else because that's not relaxing. Multitasking is not a good thing for the brain. We can't be multitasking all the time. Yeah, but I have to explain. I think when you see me drawing or writing or whatever, to me, that's actually relaxing. Mm -hmm. So when I'm but you're doing working, something. Yeah. Which mm -hmm. I'm being creative. When you're doing something, yeah. you're not thinking of your, you know, you're not, your brain isn't necessarily creating something new. <clears throat> you already have something in there that you're transferring on paper. Yeah, so but you're that's not giving your changing, time, yourself time to mm -hmm. think about. Yeah, I. See, you don't know. Maybe See, you're dreaming about no. your your art because there has to be a well, time where you're doing too. nothing. Yeah. And thinking of these things. See, even when I go to sleep at night, right before I go to sleep, I think about these stories. And I try to do it in a way that I'm in the story. 
and I start thinking about it and when I fall asleep and in my dreams my stories actually go into my dreams so when I wake up in the morning I have a story in my head which I've been dreaming about mm -hmm. I but know do you feel kind of... tired no not at all you feel energized yes every day every day yeah look at me now <laughs> <laughs> you're shaking right now <laughs> <laughs> because because i feel your like eyes are because twitching. i feel like uh, i'm at know, an you're, inquisition you're, or something no, <laughs> your, your eye is twitching it's dilated <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm in this hot room it's like 105 degrees in here and and you're That's like your steam. you're you're no <laughs> it's your brain i feel like i'm in a courtroom <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. All right. <laughs> All right. So that was uh, episode what eight? I think that was episode eight. Episode forever. <laughs> well, Long. it's it's the Tolkien slash. Um, I want you to do nothing episode. episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Vacations and Vespas and Chow. What, what was and that you? about? Episode. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's what I wanted to ask you. When you get a Vespa, are you gonna start yelling Chow at everybody? Chow. Chow. Buongiorno. Buongiorno. Yeah, prego. <laughs> um, that's for our Italian friends. Uh, yeah. Italiano. Two cappuccinos yeah. for me. Two way cappuccino. <laughs> Two way cappuccino. Yeah. No, I I would get a Vespa. Maybe Grazie. I should get a Vespa and a little Kawasaki sure. motorcycle. All right. With that, let's end Kawasaki <laughs> my way to work. <laughs> there you go. Kawasaki yourself to work. Sayonara. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. Is that it? I guess so. All right. <laughs> Uh, Bye. Arrivederci. <laughs> Arrivederci. Ciao. Okay, ciao. <laughs> See you. Bye. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Ciao. Ciao, ciao. <laughs>